And that's a perfect setup for communion tonight because there is no debt. It's been paid. So I want to take us into communion, but I want to talk a little bit to kind of emphasize a little bit of what John was saying. This whole concept of grace, this whole understanding that we're being introduced to is a mind shift. It ain't my mama's church. (laughs) It's not what I grew up with. But it's just awesome. And part of coming to the place of communion and understanding is that we don't have to be sin conscious anymore. We're Christ conscious. We're freedom conscious. And that's why communion is a celebration. But if you would go to 1 Corinthians a minute, chapter 11, we struggle with this because we've been taught a different meaning than what Paul is intending. Go down to to verse 23 in chapter 11. We'll start there. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. We're going to study in a couple of weeks, well, probably in about four weeks, Galatians. But when you look at Romans, when you look at 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, what did Paul teach? What was his message? Grace. And he didn't receive it by revelation of man. He received it by revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's what he says in Galatians. The message I taught, I received not from man, but by revelation of God. So when we read this verse, we have to start right out of the box realizing that when he's taking us into the place of the Lord's Supper, he's saying it's a place of grace. Going on in that verse, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, when we think of the word broken, we think of torn apart, ripped apart. But in the context of the what Paul was using the word broken here, when you go back to its original translation or its original writing, he's using it to reference that fragments or parts. His body is made up of fragments or parts. Fragments, parts. Who are the fragments and parts that make up the body of Christ? We are. It's not a lament about rip, tear, you know, shatter. It's an affirmation that just as there are many mansions in the house of the Lord, there are many parts to the body. And... If you go on in verse 25, in the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then this is where we get tripped up in verse 27, because we've been hammered that this means something else. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment on himself, not discerning the Lord's body. 
For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. See, we have been taught that we have to examine ourselves to root out every bad thing, every bad thought, every act of omission, every act of commission, and and just whine and, and plead and beg God for mercy. But then who's the focus on at that moment? It's on us. We've been taught that we can't partake in a worthy manner unless we do something to put ourselves in right position. What does that do to grace? It's not grace. It's totally not grace. And so... It's important for us as we celebrate communion to realize that when he says, whoever eats and drinks unworthily, the true unworthiness is focusing on yourself and not what Jesus did. Because what happens is when you're focusing on yourself, you're negating the benefits of grace in your life at that moment. Because look what I can do, Lord. And it's not about what I can do. It's about what he's already done. And it's about, yay, God, I don't have to because there ain't nothing I can do to fix it in my own strength and in my own realization. And so I want, I want you to go for a moment. Look at 2 Corinthians 13.5. See, we're told in, in the previous chapter or the previous book to examine ourselves. Here's the test of examining yourself. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Well, guess what? If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in the faith. See, Paul would not tell us in, in the previous book, in chapter 11, to examine yourselves to find out every single thing that you've done wrong and confess every single thing you can confess. And then in the next book, tell us, examine yourself to determine if you're in the faith. That would be an inconsistency. He's the writer of consistency about grace. And so when he's talking in, back in chapter 11, or, uh, chapter, or verse, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when he says examine yourselves, he's talking about do you believe Jesus is who he said he is, do you believe he did what he said he did, and can you receive it? It's not about me raising my faith up. It's my understanding of what he did out of his faith and believing it. A lot less pressure there, don't you think? Because, you know, we've been taught that We've got to be in the right frame of mind. We can't have any sin. We can't have any offense against anyone. But who's the author and finisher of our faith? Do you think he's put off if, you, if, if, if John said a harsh word to Julia on the way over here today? You think that would put the Lord off? What I'm trying to emphasize here is it's not, you know, if we, if, we are, if we go by the traditional standard that we were all taught, that we have to examine ourselves for any flaws, any defects, any deficits, any poor choices, any sinful conduct. But what if I forget one? And then I partake according to that 
understanding you just brought judgment into your life whether you knew it or not. You're responsible. Versus examining yourself to determine if you are in the faith. And if the answer is yes, then all the benefits of the finished work of Jesus are yours as you partake. Healing. Deliverance. Forgiveness. The cheerleader dad comes and goes, yeah, yeah. Blessing after blessing after blessing. Why? Because it's a recognition in that moment that Jesus did it. And I don't have to. And so being in the faith always means that we're trusting in His finished work and not in our own. Man, there's such freedom in that. Carol can tell you I don't always do things well. And you know what? I don't have to. My dad's not going to condemn me if I make a mistake. He'll teach me how to fix it with my wife. So when we come to this time, it's a time of eating and drinking in the understanding that Jesus did it. And we're celebrating and remembering that He did it. He calls us to participate with Him. And we get to receive. I want to take you to the mirror because when you read it in the mirror, same 1 Corinthians 11, it's very interesting when you read those same set of verses. Starting at verse 23 again. Let me remind you that when we are actually celebrating in our fellowship meal, the night in which the Lord was betrayed, He took bread. Verse 24. And gave thanks. Breaking the bread into portions, He said, Realize your association with My death. Every time you eat, remember My body that was broken for you. Underline if you have it. Realize your association with My death. Because that's what's being called to remembrance. You are associated in His death and you rose in His resurrection, thereby defeating the claims that Satan had. Verse 25, He did exactly the same with the cup after supper and said, This cup holds the wine of the new covenant in My blood. You celebrate Me every time you drink with this understanding. What understanding? That your association in His death and in His resurrection is the grace of God and it's been done for you. Verse 26, Your every meal makes the mandate this coming relevant and communicates the meaning of the new covenant. And verse 27, So whoever does not value the meaning of the bread and the wine keeps himself in condemnation. Again, what's the meaning? Jesus paid it all. He's given us grace. We are saved by grace through the faith of Christ. And we believe. Verse 28, To see oneself associated in Christ's death and declared innocent in His blood is the only worthy manner in which to examine one's own life in the context of the new meal. Let me read that again. To see oneself associated in Christ's death and declared innocent in His blood is the only worthy manner in which to examine one's own life in the context 
of the new covenant. And it says in the footnote, self-examination according to the old covenant, Deuteronomy 28, is no longer relevant. And then it cites back to that 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are holding to your faith. Test yourselves. Do not realize, or do not, do you not realize that Jesus Christ is within you? When you eat the bread and you drink the wine, you're fellowshipping with the Jesus in you, and you're coming together and going, "Yea, God, wow." And I'm, I'm not going to read the rest of those. You can read those in your own version of the mirror that you have, but. It's all about not being indifferent to what Jesus did as opposed to my behaviors. So let's go ahead and pass things out. There's such freedom in this. Thank you. It really is a celebration. We are not separated from God because of Jesus. We don't have to earn anything because of Jesus. And the best part is, as we understand this and believe it our hearts change to want to be in alignment with him that's you know it's it's just this for lack of better word it's a subtle change that begins to happen and then there's a moment when you go wow something's different and then a while later you go something else is different and then something else is different and that's the holy spirit just bringing the manifestation of the finished works of jesus I've been, I've been meditating this week about the one who has saved us is capable of keeping us in that place. We don't have to do it. He says, I'll do it for you. And I want you to know there's a place of power out of that. Not just in your own lives, but in releasing life into others. One of the biggest impediments for people walking with Jesus and walking away is because they just say, I can't do this anymore. And you know what? They weren't supposed to do it to begin with. He was the one that intended to do it. So we are going to celebrate tonight that we, when we take of the bread and we take of the wine, we are making a declaration that we are in the faith that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe in His grace, and we believe it is for us, and that we don't have to do anything except honor Him by saying yes. And then He does it. So, lift it up. Jesus, we say yes. yes. And we say thank you. Eat. Receive your blessings. Receive the finished work. It's not a tomorrow thing. It's a today thing. It's a now thing. And just as John said, we may not see the result immediately, but he's working. He's working. Lift it up. Yes, Lord. We honor you. We celebrate you. It's about you, Jesus. And we're tickled pink tonight. Amen. Lord, we thank you. There is none like you. We're excited by you, and we just want to honor you now. We praise you, and we bless you in Jesus' name.